Acts chapter number 17 tonight. Uh, do want to thank you again for being in your place this evening. It's always a joy to meet together with brothers and sisters in Christ and uh, lift up our Savior. And want to try to encourage you tonight through the message. Last uh, Wednesday, uh, we went through and we preached on when God stirs things up. And uh, we talked about how, uh, you know, how Paul and them got into the prison and how they began to sing praises to the Lord while they were in prison. How that Lydia, uh, how God used the conversation that Paul had uh, when they were down there by the water area when people came forth to pray. And he just used the conversation to smite Lydia's heart and how that damsel who was possessed, he used the confrontation uh, to stir her heart. And then the jailer, he used the consequences of the lack of his doing his job to shake things up. And there was a reality of our spiritual warfare. Uh, we need to understand Satan's on the war path against us. And uh, God does what God does best. And uh, he stirs things up in our hearts and helps us along the way. Um, but there was the importance of a spirit-filled witness and uh, we always got to have that spirit filling. Uh, all is vain that we do unless the power of the Holy Spirit is upon us. And uh, we need the filling of the Holy Spirit of God. And then we talked about the power of the Spirit's work. And that transforming power. How here this jailer, this uh, really hard Roman soldier, was brought to his knees before the Lord because of what the power of the Holy Spirit can do. And here we are now. We're in Acts chapter number 17. And I'm going to read a passage of Scripture to you because now uh, Paul and them are in a different area uh, moving on through their journeys. And look what it says in verse number 1. Now when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica where, the synagogue of the Jews, where was the synagogue of the Jews. And Paul, as his manner was, went in unto them... And three Sabbath days reasoned with them out of the Scriptures, opening and alleging that Christ must needs have suffered and risen again from the dead, and that Jesus, whom I preach unto you, is Christ. It said, And some of them believe and consorted with Paul and Silas, and of the devout Greeks a great multitude, and of the chief women not a few. But the Jews which believe not... Moved with envy, and took unto them certain lewd fellows of the baser sort, and gathered a company, and set all the city on an uproar, and assaulted the house of Jason, and sought to bring them out to the people. And when they found them not, they drew Jason and certain brethren out of the rulers of the city, crying, These that have turned the world upside down are come hither also, whom Jason hath received. And these all do contrary to the decree of Caesar, saying that there is another king, one Jesus. They didn't have any idea what they were really saying when they said that, did they? But I'm going to preach a message to you today called Reasons and Seasons that I entitled that tonight. And we're going to talk about some things here this evening that I believe will be a help to us tonight. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. Thank you again for the day. Thank you for the opportunity we have to be here tonight. Be with me as I preach. Use me as your mouthpiece. Hide me behind the cross, fill me with your spirit. Lord, if there's any here that do not know you as their personal Lord and Savior, I pray they'll trust you tonight. Strengthen our hearts. Help us to leave here refreshed and ready 
to go out and to fight for you another day. Lord, we love you and thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Paul has done a good job everywhere he went to do his best for the Lord. Uh, in our Bible class that I'm teaching at Martinsburg Christian Academy, uh, there is something that I was say, stating to the young people that this is God will never ask more out of you than your best. But God will never ask less out of you either than your best. What God wants from you as a child of God is God wants your best. He's not looking for the best ability He's looking for availability. He's looking for someone that will just say, Lord, here am I, use me. And that's what he found in the Apostle Paul. Everywhere that Paul went, no matter what it was, no matter how long it was that God had him in that certain area, God used Paul and Paul was willing to be used. See, God will use anybody who's willing to be used. It doesn't matter where they come from, doesn't matter where their social status, their walk of life, doesn't matter their education, whether they've got a degree from this college or that college. Anybody that's willing to be used for the cause of Christ, God will use them if they're willing and available. And as I was going down through this, there were some common things that were happening here. And Paul, he always liked to go to a a big metropolitan city. And the reason that he liked to do that, I believe, because he knew if he could win a lot of folks in that big city, it would spread like a spider web and go to the smaller communities around him. Here he comes and he passes through these smaller little places of Amphipolis and Apollonia. All of these are, uh, are, are they any less important in the eyes of God? No. But God had a specific plan that he was trying to use Paul because he brought him to Thessalonica. And he comes down to Thessalonica, and while he's in Thessalonica, which if you were to look at the map, is down right along the waterway towards the bottom, but it is a big uh, metropolitan-type city in that area. And he goes into the synagogue, the Jews, and he begins to talk with them. And look what it says, verse number 2, or uh, where was the synagogue of the Jew, verse 2, And Paul, as his manner was, went in unto them, and three Satan straight sabbath days reasoned with them out of the scriptures you see what it said three straight sabbath days he reasoned with them thessalonica was this major city uh and paul went there and god had a season uh for paul to be there at this time Uh, i don't understand why god moves people here and there i don't understand why god does it but god has his as we would look at it, maybe God's chess game going on, that God knows exactly where people ought to be, when they ought to be there, and how long they ought to be there. And Paul sometimes spent two years, sometimes spent a couple days, sometimes spent maybe ten years, uh, however long it was, but God had a season for Paul to be there at that time. When he went through Lystra, God had a season for him. When he went through Derby, God had a season for him. When he went to Antioch, God had a season for him. But what set Paul apart from a lot of other people is during this season that God had him there, his character was that in such a way that he did his best for the Lord during that season. And I don't know what season God has. My prayer is that God allows all of us to be part of Faith Baptist Church for the next 30 years or so. That's my prayer. But the fact of the matter is, we, are, we belong to God. 
We're his children. We don't understand sometimes why people go, and, but I'm glad when people come. But the fact is, when God has you here for this season, he doesn't want you to squander the season away. This season is not here for us to squander. This season is here for us to take the challenge and do our best for the Lord. Everywhere Paul went, Paul went to do his best for the Lord. He didn't care what the opposition was. He didn't care if he was left for dead. He understood that God had a plan for him and he was going to do it to the bitter end. He was going to do whatever it was that God wanted him to do. And if it meant he died outside of Lystra, then so be it. That's what God wanted for him. If it meant that he died in the prison, then so be it. That's what it meant for him. But he said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. He understood that everything about him was to be about his father's business. And if you're saved in this room tonight, we are bought by the blood of Jesus Christ. It's not our life to live the way we want to live it. God has given us a season in this time, in this place, and he wants us to do our best in this season. I wonder if we did a litmus test here of our own self and our own hearts. How is our character In the fact of how are we doing in this season? Are we doing our best for the Lord? Our character is that which we are when nobody else sees. Oh, we can be one way at church. But how are we when we're alone with us and God? How are we when we're alone, when nobody else is looking? Do we make time for the Lord? Do we make this season our best season even yet? I understand God has had Faith Baptist Church in this area for almost 20 years. In another year, it's going to be 20 years that God has, since God has established Faith Baptist Church. And the fact of the matter is, over these 20 years, we can't look and say, wow, we had a great season then. We ought to look now and say, this is the time that we have the best season we've ever had. Why? Because it's time. God's got us here for this time right now. We can't dwell on what's happened in the past. But we can say, now is that season. And God wants us to do our very best. God wants us to do our very best. God provides seasons of opportunity for each of us. We all have seasons of opportunity. I don't know how long God wants you to maybe teach your Sunday school class, but you have a a season of opportunity. Brother Ron, I just recently took over the adult Sunday school class. We don't know why God moves people, but we know Brother MacArthur and them left and all that. Brother Ron stepped in and took over that adult Sunday school class. That's God's season for him. And we ought not to take that season lightly. That season that God has given us and this opportunity to serve Him, we ought to do it to the best of our ability. Because we're doing it for the Lord. The Bible says, Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might as unto the Lord. We ought to do it with everything we have. I wonder, do we strive to please our boss more than we please our Heavenly Father? Do we strive to please our children More than we please our Heavenly Father. The fact is, God has given us a season. And He wants us to live in that season. In Psalm chapter number 90, in verse number 9. In Psalm 90, in verse number 9, the Bible says this. For all our days are passed away in thy wrath. We spend our years as a tale that is told. See, every one of us has a story in our life. God's given every one of us a story that that tale is going to be told. And I wonder if your name was mentioned, when we mentioned the Apostle Paul, 
everybody in this room understands there's a true Christian. When you mention the Apostle Paul, man, I think of boldness. When I think of the Apostle Paul, I think of somebody who was courageous and who was willing just to fight to the bitter end for the cause of Christ. I see somebody that was willing to lay down his life and die for his Savior. He was one that was willing to be lowered in himself so that Christ could be exalted. He was one that would make sure that the name of Christ was proclaimed. He was one with a heart for souls. Everywhere he went, he was about preaching the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Everywhere he went, he wanted to disciple people that was the apostle Paul's testimony but I wonder in this tale that's told of your life in the season that God's given you of your life if your name was mentioned to other people around you what kind of testimony would they see in their mind and their heart based on your walk with God and the action that you give for God well preacher all I'm good at is just sitting in church no it's not no it's not We all have an opportunity. And God's given us all uh, an opportunity in our life. My my desire when somebody hears about Dan Caldwell is not that people say, wow, he was a good guy, or man, he could dress good, or he has shiny shoes, or whatever it is. I don't want that. I want them to say, man, he loved God. He cared about God. He was wanting people to know how they could find Jesus Christ as their Savior. That's the kind of legacy. Why? Not because I want to be exalted, but I want my Heavenly Father to be exalted, to understand that we are nothing without God. And by His grace and by His power, He allows uh, nothings like us to accomplish great things. But God's given us a season, this opportunity that we have. We don't know what chapter of our story that we're in. I don't know what chapter of my story that I have. God knows. This could be just the middle of my story. I don't know. I hope so. I'm not in any hurry to die. But I am in a hurry to see my Heavenly Father. I don't feel that my work is done here. I believe there's more God has for me to do. But I don't know what chapter of my story that I'm in. I don't know if I'm in the beginning. I don't know if I'm in the middle. I don't know if I'm in the end. If I'm in one of the first thirds of it, then I'm going to live to be 120. But there's some of us, I don't know how far we are. Our life could be over today. And I wonder what what our story will be told. How did we live for the cause of Christ? We get to read in the pages of Scripture about the Apostle Paul and about Silas and about Barnabas and all so many others that we read about all throughout the page of this book. And there's a story that has been told, some good, some bad. There's stories about it. There's legacies that have been left behind. But this is our season for right now. God's given it to us to, to live with and to do for the best that we can. Does your character make this season profitable? Does who you are when nobody else is around, is it making this season profitable for our Heavenly Father? This tale of your life at this point in time. See, the Bible tells us how Paul was. In verse 2 it said this, and Paul, as his manner was. Say, hey, you want to know how Paul was? This is his manner. This is what Paul was all about. He went into them three Sabbath days. And reasoned with them out of the scriptures. Opening and alleging that Christ must needs have suffered. And risen again from the dead. And that Jesus whom I preach unto you 
is Christ. Guess what Paul's manner was? The gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul preached the gospel. That was his manner. That's what he was all about. What is your manner? If we ask you, hey, man, do you know who Jesus is? Oh, you say, oh, yeah, he died on the cross, but do you genuinely know him? What is your manner when it comes to seeing a stranger who walks by? I don't think the Apostle Paul was an undercover Christian. I don't believe he's one that held his Jesus first pin on the inside of his jacket. It was on the outside where everybody else could see it. Paul wasn't ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Don't believe me? Read your Bible. He said, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. The Apostle Paul would be one that have a whole stack of these bad boys and they'd be in people's hands every day. He'd have gospel tracts saying, hey, let me tell you about the greatest story that's ever been told. Let me tell you how you can know for sure that you're on your way to heaven. Hey, on the back of this little flyer here, it'll tell you the way to heaven is only through Jesus. It tells you that once you get saved, there's something else you need to do after that. You need to get baptized and join the church. He'd be telling people about that. That was just his manner. That's what Paul did. He reasoned with them out of the scriptures. He went to the Word of God and he showed them what the Bible said and he boldly proclaimed the things of God. I wonder how little we do for the cause of Christ because our manner is not about what God wants. Our manner is about what we want. What we think and what we feel. But God has a season for us. There's some verbs that I was looking at here that I, as I was reading it, just kind of jumped off the page at me and it's, kind of crazy that I uh I recognize some verbs here because I'm not one that uh usually looks into grammar and stuff too much but in verse number two look what it said after it said and Paul as his manner was went in unto them three Sabbath days look what it said reasoned with them out of the scriptures that word reason means disputed or giving a measured answer for what he believed. You say what's that mean? Is he didn't just come in and say. Guys let me tell you what I think. Let me tell you what I think you guys are doing wrong. Oh you guys are trying to live by this law. And everything else. But what I think. No he didn't do that. Paul went in and he said. Let me tell you what the Bible says. Let me tell you what God said. Because you know what. It doesn't really matter what you and I think. It all matters on what God thinks. It matters what God thinks. And when Paul came in, his manner was not to come in and just give his opinion. His manner was to tell you what, the, what God said. And that was his manner. By the way, that's a good manner to have. He reasoned with them. He gave measured answers for what he believed. I believe, Brother Ron, with all my heart, that a lot of the reason that we don't have people sold out for God and all of these things because they have not learned how to have a personal relationship with God and they don't know what the Bible says so they have a hard time speaking about it. They have a hard time talking about it because they don't know. They can't reason it because they don't have the knowledge in their heart and in their mind. You understand coming to church helps you gain knowledge, but a daily search of the scriptures in your own life, in your own heart is the way you're going to grow in Christ. If you only ate three days a week, you'd still be an anorexic person. If all you ate was three meals in an entire week, you wouldn't have any problems with gaining weight. 
The fact of the matter is, every one of us need to understand that it's our responsibility to go to the Scriptures. And Paul reasoned with them. He says that in chapter 18 and verse 4 as well, if you reason with them. Chapter 20, he reasoned with them. Chapter 24, he reasoned with them. If you go throughout uh, the book of Acts, Paul did a good job of taking the Scriptures and telling people why he believed what he believed. In this season of life that God has given us, this time it said he reasoned with them. He reasoned with them. In this season, I wonder, are we able to reason with people? Are we able to talk about the beliefs that we have? Because the Bible says so. Not because pastor says so. Not because man said so. But because God said so. The Bible says, let God be true, and every man a liar. So we saw reasoned. It means disputed, or giving a measured answer for what he believed. And then it said opening and alleging. So he opened and showed them the scriptures. He didn't just tell them this is what the Bible says. He actually opened the word of God and said, let me show you. He didn't just say, oh, the Bible says in such and such. He said, look, it's right here. He opened and showed them. He went through it. And then it says alleging. Alleging is a statement of proof that Jesus is Lord. He went through all that and he said, hey, he reasoned with them and alleging or making this statement of proof that Christ is Lord. That Jesus, who died on the cross, he's Christ. He's our Lord. He's our Savior. He was making his statement, his argument to them. And in the end of verse 3, it says this, Whom I preach, he said unto you, is Christ. Some verbs that Paul had as he disputed with them, he reasoned with them, he opened and showed them in the Scriptures. He stated proof that Jesus was Lord, and he preached. That was his manner. That's what he did. That's what Paul was about. As his manner was, that's what he did. So I wonder, what is our manner when it comes to the things of God? What is our manner? I'll tell you what, I can get people stirred up. All i got to do, Brother Ron, is i got to walk in and tell them that I don't like their football team, man, and they just go crazy. Or you tell them that you don't like their basketball player, and man, they go nuts. Don't you know how many stats they have? And, yada, yada, yada. and you ask them about the Bible, they're like, well, I have a hard time memorizing. No, it's not that. It's your manner is more about fleshly desires than it is about the spirit we need to get back to the word of god god provides seasons of opportunity for each of us the gospel provides a reason for every problem we're talking about seasons you say what are you talking about in paul's life what was his biggest problem what caused him a lot of problems preaching the gospel didn't it now, was the gospel the problem? No. But people didn't like the gospel. It talks about that even as he went through. It said this, verse 5, But the Jews, which believed not, moved with envy, took unto them certain lewd fellows of the baser sort, and gathered a company, and set all the city in an uproar, and assaulted the house of Jason, and sought to bring them out of the people. Why? Because Paul's manner was the gospel. Why was he stoned in Lystra and left for dead? 
the gospel. Why was he chased out of Philippi? Because the gospel. Why was he chased out of this town and that town, all this? Because the gospel. The reason behind all of the heartache that it seemed was the gospel, but without the gospel, there would have been more heartache. And so Paul was learning a very valuable lesson that God was using these things in his life so that others could know Jesus as their Savior. Paul was, God was using a man named Paul who lived for that season, did his best in that season, even though it caused problems for him, he still did the right thing and others came to know the Lord as their Savior. You understand serving God, there's going to be opposition. Anytime you preach the word, you try to preach for God, you're going to have problems. The other day in the mail, I got a letter and uh, opened the letter. I only read like a sentence or two of it. My wife's standing there with me. Somebody sent a letter basically upset with something that I've preached here because I preach on sin. Didn't put their name on it. Didn't sign it. Just wanted to tell me what they thought. You know what? Really what people think I could care less. You know where that letter ended up? In the garbage. After I read like two sentences of it. You know why? Because somebody that doesn't have enough decency to sign their name. Tell me what they want to say. They don't want to call and talk to me about it. I really don't have time for their negativity. I don't have time for their negativity. I don't try to preach a message and hide behind it. The fact of the matter is, if, if we have something that we believe in, we ought to stand up for it. We ought to stand up for it. And any time that we preach the Word of God, there's going to be opposition. You know what I could have done, Brother Ron, is I could have let that get me down. When somebody doesn't like what I'm preaching. You know what, any time you preach truth, somebody's not going to like it. Anytime you open the scriptures and uh, it's faced with us and exposes who we are, we're going to find somebody that doesn't like it. But the fact of the matter is, if we don't preach it, we're dooming people for a life of misery. God allowed problems to make Paul stronger and to draw, us, draw him closer to the Lord. See, God allows problems in our life not to drown us, but to cleanse us. There's a quote in the front of my Bible that says, God drags men through deep water not to drown them, but to cleanse them. See, we go through deep water sometimes, but God's doing it to make us stronger. To be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. The Apostle Paul had a reputation his reputation was not one that turned around and ran when things got hard. His reputation was, I'm steadfast and unmovable and always abounding in the work of the Lord. His, his testimony, his, his stand for Christ was, I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I've kept the faith. That's what he could say at the end of his life. And he could say that without reservation. Why? Because he understood that this season that God gave him, that he needed to do the best that he could for the Lord. And opposition comes, but through the opposition, we need to continue to go forward. We need to continue to fight the fight. We need to continue to press on. Listen, you can go to a church anywhere across our land and hear just the tickling of the, 
good things of Scripture. And by the way, there's a lot of good things in Scripture. In fact, from Genesis 1-1 to Revelation 22-21, pretty much all good. You say, but it convicts us. Well, that's why it's such a good book. It's because it shows us what we need and where, how to change us and how to get us right with God. But we could, we could always just say, hey, you know what? God is love, and God is love. We could always just say, hey, well, guess what? God says he's with you, and he'll never leave you, nor forsake you, and God does. But God is also a holy God, and a holy God judges sin. And a holy God doesn't just expect things to be smooth sailing for us. You know why? Because God doesn't want robots to do what he, what, what he says do, and we just say, eh, eh, and just do what he wants us to do because we've been programmed to do it. No, he knows that if we do it because of love, we'll be passionate about it. If we do it because we love him, we'll give it all that we have. There's things in my life that motivate me to go forward. One of them, some of them are right here on the front row. My family, my family back there, they motivate me just to go that extra mile and do things. Why? Because of love. I'll do things for that lady on the front row that I won't do for some other people. Why? Because I love her. And if it came down to it and I had to do something to stand up for her, guess what? I'm going to do it the best that I can. But how much more a holy God who loved us and gave himself for us and died on an old rugged cross, was buried, rose again, offers life for you and I. We by faith receive him as our Savior so we don't have to spend one second in hell. And then he gives us a season to serve him and we squander that season. How much more should we do for him? than we would for those we love here on earth. How much more should we put forth an effort? Because guess what? Opposition's going to come. But during those opposition, we're not supposed to back down or, or, or waver or, or, or sit aside or cower down. No, that's when we arm ourselves with the whole armor of God and we press on and go forward. We don't understand why things happen, but God means it for good if you're following after Him. We need to keep on for it. Seize that opportunity. There's some unanswered questions in Paul's life. He doesn't always understand why. But it ends up for God's glory. I want you to look here at verse 8. It says, And they troubled the people and the rulers of the city when they heard these things. And when they had taken security of Jason and of the others, they let them go. And the brethren immediately sent away Paul and Silas by night to Berea, who coming thither went into the synagogue of the Jews. Look what happened. Paul now goes to Berea. They send him out. They send him to Berea. And guess what? As his manner was, guess what happened? He goes into the synagogue. See what happens? These were more noble than those in Thessalonica, in that, look what it says, they received the word with all readiness of mind. There were some attributes here in closing tonight that I'm going to give you. Three attributes of the church of Berea that in this season will make Faith Baptist Church one that God can smile about. Look what it said first. These were more noble than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness 
of mind. You know what made the Berean church stand out different than the Thessalonican church? Is the Berean church was ready to receive the word of God. They were ready to receive the word of God. They were the type of church that didn't come to church and say, Preacher, make this quick because stew's on today. Preacher, got a roast in the oven. Can you cut this one a little short today? No, they were the ones sitting there saying, Preacher, what do you got for us? They were the ones sitting there on the edge of their seat saying, God, what do you got for us today? Man, I'm excited about being in the house of God. I can't wait to hear what the message is. I just want to know what it is that God has for me. Guess what? They were ready to receive the word of God. I wonder, do we come into the house of God ready to receive the word of God? Do we come into the house of God ready to hear from the word of God? Or do we come to the house of God because it's something we've always done? We come to the house of God because, well, you know what? But I sure hope he makes this one quick. I got stuff to do tomorrow. Do we have a readiness to hear the word of God? When these pages are opened up, do you understand that this is not just words that a preacher gets up here and spends about 35, 45 minutes talking to you and pouring his heart out and saying, hey, these are not man's words that he's trying to give to you. These are a holy God's words that he's pouring out his heart to you. And as the pages of this book are opened up, do we sit in those pews ready to receive what God has for us? Ready to receive Whatever it is, the exhortation, the rebuke, the reproof, whatever the Holy Spirit decides to do in our hearts, do we sit there ready to receive it? See, what set the Berean church? Why were they more noble than those at Thessalonica? Well, because they were a ready church. One that was just ready. God, whatever you got for us today, whatever it is, God, that you've got, we're ready for it. Let us have it. Just bring it to us, God. Let us have it. They just wanted to soak it up. They wanted to soak it up. They were ready to receive the word. But look what it said. Not only were they ready to receive the word, in that they received the word with all readiness of mind. Look what it says. And searched the scriptures daily. They weren't just a ready church. They were a researching church. You know what it said? They searched the scriptures daily. You see that? They searched the scriptures daily. Look what it says, whether those things were so. You know what they did? Whatever Paul preached to them, they went back home. They opened their Bible. They read it again and just made sure that what the preacher said was right. By the way, I encourage people to do that. Why? Because it's not my words that's going to change people. It's God's words that's going to change people. And sometimes we sit in church and we may get a little distracted at times. And it's good for us to go back and to read those passages again. Why? To see whether those things are so. Why? Because when you go searching, seeking for God, guess what he said you'll do? You'll find him. He said, if you'll seek me, you'll find me. So they were a ready church. They were a researching church. They were one that didn't say, hey, I just want it on Sunday, man. I'm ready for it at Sunday school. I'm ready for it Sunday morning. I'm ready for it Sunday night. I'm ready for it Wednesday night. No, they researched it throughout the rest of the time. 
They went in and they, they got looking at it. Hey, why do we believe that salvation is by grace through faith? Well, because the Bible says in Ephesians 2, verse 8 and 9, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourself. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Why do we believe that Jesus is the only way to heaven? John 14, 6, Jesus saith unto them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Why do we believe that God created everything uh, with just the sound of his voice? And we go to Genesis in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth and the earth was without form and void and it goes and God said let there be light and there was light and all throughout scripture we say why did they do it they researched it why does the preacher say this well the Bible says so they researched it they went back and saw what God had to say they didn't just take man's word for it you know why there's so much confusion in our nation today because they just take people's word for things People just hear, oh, well, if he said it, it's got to be right. I heard a story one time about an elderly lady said, uh, was talking to somebody, and she said, guess what the newspaper said? And they told, she told them what the newspaper said, and they said, well, you, it's the newspaper. You, you know, I mean, you just take it with a grain of salt. You, you don't know. She goes, well, they're not, it's in the newspaper. They can't lie. It's got to be true. Well, listen, just because it's in the newspaper don't mean it's right, okay? But God's Word is a perfect, infallible, inerrant Word. And you go to it with an open heart, researching and wanting to find out what these things are. And God will reveal it to you. God will reveal it to you. It said they searched the Scriptures whether those things were so. And I want you to see as well what it says. And it says, therefore, many of them believed also of honorable women, which were Greeks, and of men, not, but not a few. But when the Jews of Thessalonica had knowledge that the word of God was preached of Paul at Berea, they came thither also and stirred up the people. And immediately the brethren sent away Paul to go, as it were, to the sea. But Silas and Timotheus abode there still. Listen, this is the kind of church that when they searched the scriptures, they had just some resolve that, listen, if God says it, that settles it. They were resolved that God said it, we're going to do it. Period. They searched the scriptures, whether those things were so. If God said it, there it is. Period. Has all the authority. Why? God said it. So let me ask you this. Why should we soul win? Because God said so. God said so. Where, preacher? Matthew 28, 19 and 20. Go ye, there, go ye therefore, teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the world. Amen. Mark 16, 15. He tells us about it. To preach the gospel to every creature. All throughout the Bible, man. We could go all throughout the pages of Scripture where he says, go, go, go. What did he tell his disciples? Feed my sheep. Go out and feed them. Go out and win the lost. Go out and do that. That's God's command to his people. Why should we tithe? Why should we give? Because he says, give and it shall be given. He tells us, bring your tithes to the storehouse. That's what God tells us to do. Why should we live holy, righteously, and godly in this present world? Because he says, for, be holy, for I am holy. It's God's word. Let's research it. Let's study it. Let's find it. Let's search the scriptures and just have some resolve that if God says it, period, it's done. 
Why should we be at church when the doors are open? Because he says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. That's not my words, it's God's words. Research it. Study it. Go to the Bible. Let God show you. See, what set Berea apart, why were they more noble than Thessalonica, was this. They were ready to receive the word of God. They were uh, just a researching church. And, but once they found it, they said that these things were so... Once they saw it was so, guess what? That was just, that's just how it is. God said it. Doesn't matter what you think. God says it. It's done. Period. And that's how it ought to be in our life. If God says it, that settles it. That's what set them apart. So reasons and seasons are this. Listen, are we able to reason with people? Are we able to talk to them about what we believe why because it's in god's word can we make a educated conversation do we have a measure of answers of what we have are we able to go to the bible and say i believe in the trinity because of this i believe in creation in six literal days because of this can we take people to scripture and show them what the bible says You know what's going to make Faith Baptist Church go to the next level for God this year? If we come ready to receive the word. If we have a heart for researching scripture. And if we just have some resolve that says if God said it, that settles it. I'm going to do it. God said it, period. Done. Finished. God said it. That settles it. See, the Apostle Paul made the best of the season. His manner was to preach the word of God, preach the gospel. And in this season, this tale of our life that God's given us at this time in 2020, February 12th of 2020, what are we going to do for God? Are we going to do it half-heartedly or are we going to give it all for him? Have we done our best? There's that little song. I wonder have I done my best for Jesus. For he has done so much for me. Think about that. Have we done our best? Have we done our best for him? The fact of the matter is I dare say most of us would say we haven't done our best. We haven't done our best. I wish I had given him more. I don't want to have to stand before the Lord at the judgment seat of Christ and say, God, I wish I would have given you more. I hope I can say what the Apostle Paul said. I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I kept the faith. Listen, this season that God's given us right here, right now, let's make the best of it this year. Let's do more this year than we've ever done. Because we are just ready to receive the word of God. We research it. We have some resolve just to do it because God said so. And then we just turn the world upside down. Like the testimony of what they said about Paul and Silas. They said these men have turned the world upside down. You know why? Because they just had resolve. That God said it. I will do it, period.
with our heads bowed.